welcome to Give Him Hell Brigham. How are you doing this week, Jeff? Doing good, Garrett. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing good, doing good. It's been a good week. Uh, lots of good news coming out of the program over the last week, so it always makes it fun. I've been looking forward to talking to you tonight. Yeah, a lot of fun news to talk about, that's for sure. And in a COVID-19 world where there haven't been sports for 100 days, I think we're at 100 days now. Oh, gosh. And it went- it's good to just have anything to talk about. Yeah, when this first started, I scoured. So I went on Wikipedia, and there's like an article, it's like list of professional sporting leagues. And I went down the list, and it got just trying to find anything that wasn't canceled. And it got to the point where I discovered that um, the, the Russian minor league hockey was still going, and they broadcast their games for free on YouTube. So that was it was good for me to uh, brush up again on <laughs> – trying to keep up they they speak really really fast and so it was hard for me to keep up but it was it was fun and then after that I mean there's really nothing because Aussie rules got canceled and now but now rugby's coming back in Australia and New Zealand and we're I feel like we're kind of turning a corner here I was talking to my wife tonight and saying that even MLS announced her thing and I'm about to start watching soccer more than I ever have in my entire life which is like the six times I've watched World Cup games because I feel morally obligated to root for the United States in any international competition. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm really glad sports are coming back. The And the soccer thing is funny. Uh, the, the Women's Soccer League is doing, I don't know if it's their whole season, if it's just like a mid-season tournament like soccer does. I don't know what the, the, the schematics of all of it are. But every team in the women's soccer league is playing some sort of a tournament here in Utah, and I'm like pumped about it just because it's live sports again. Right. I watched a match with Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady. Oh, that was so good. I was glued into that like it was the Masters all over again, just because it was something. The, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about, like the very first thing of similar about how the very first episode we did about how the XFL brought in so many great things in terms of the broadcast and how they did things was being mic'd up and it made it so much fun and watching that match with those four guys playing and you know going back and forth and kind of jabbing at each other it made it so much more entertaining than a normal golf you know than a normal tournament and charles barkley man charles barkley could read the back of a cereal box to me and i'd find a way to be entertained by it so having him involved was perfect yes i I have joked about this for a long time and maybe someday I'll actually do it that it's like my dream in life is to somehow form like a political party to where we get a ticket of Charles Barkley and Judge Judy running for president because I think pe- I think people would go for it. I think they would. <laughs> like, I mean, it, Donald Trump is the president and say what you will about him now. Like I'm not talking about his presidency, but when he declared for president, the dude from The Apprentice is running for president? The guy who had a spot in Home Alone and like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Right. It would be the same thing. I'm, I'm more, I'm looking forward to the day that The Rock runs for president and it's oh, like yes. Kanye. The Rock and Kanye? I mean, yeah, sadly, I, Kanye I 2020 didn't happen. I, <laughs> I, he probably, Kanye could have, I mean, people voted for Harambe, the gorilla that got killed at the cincinnati zoo so kanye 2020 would have actually gotten some run i think i think it would have well hey man let's get into it this week let's start off with our hellion of the week it's a little bit of a different hellion of the week this week and it's i don't know if anybody there's uh we're going to give this to a group of people and i don't know if they listen to this podcast or ever will listen to this podcast but i'm certain that some of our listeners are familiar with everything that's going on with Chad and Lori Daybell. They're certainly not the Hellions of the week, but hats off. To they're the, the going to hell. Yins. Yes. They're awful, awful people. Uh, but hats off to the Rexburg police department. It's been a really rough week for police everywhere. Uh, so let's shed some light on some good police work. Uh, when they found managed to do whatever they did to find enough evidence to get a search warrant, to search the Daybell's property. And after, man, after nine months, these kids being missing, they finally found their bodies, which is just a horrific, horrific story. These Daybells are absolutely horrific people, but good for the Rexburg Police Department for finally getting some finality in this situation. 
and Rexburg, BYU, obviously there's a tie. So it feels like they are a worthy recipient of our Hellion of the Week this week. Yes, and I know when we chatted a few minutes before we hit record on this, I say that I have to make sure I censor myself when talking about them because I have very strong feelings about them. And I, I hope everything that could possibly bad happen to them, they get what they deserve and that for the rest of their days, the best thing that ever happens to them is that they step on a Lego. And that's the be- like that is, that's the minimum level of pain that they get. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't have, yeah, I good job by the Rexford police department um, for pushing with that and working, you know, and it was, wasn't an e- I'm sure it wasn't an easy thing getting back and forth, you know, with them being in Hawaii and trying to deal with different jurisdictions and, all those legal matters and the messes that come with that, but they, I'm glad that they got it done and that everyone can get some closure on that because it was, I mean, since the Susan Powell case, this is the first one I remember where it was painfully obvious from day one exactly what happened. Yeah, for sure. And it's been, man, it's, it's been hard to follow. And, and like I said, glad that there's some finality to it finally. Hats off to the Rexburg Police Department for doing whatever they needed to do and the Daybells, man, I hope they rot in a jail cell for a really, really long time. And I hope they live to be like 150 years old so that they can just spend a really long time rotting in a, in a jail cell. Um, so that's our Hellion of the Week. Rexburg Police Department, uh, not the most personal recipient of the, award, of the award ever, but certainly worthy recipients of the award. Of the award. And so uh, if you are listening and you are a member of the Rexburg PD, please reach out to us or give us an address. I mean, if we send a random envelope to a police department, that's probably not the best idea, but we do want to, we do have stickers made now to send out to our Hellion of the Week winners. Um, so let us know so we can try to get you taken care of. And if you don't, or we don't want to get a hold of you, uh, you know, thank you for getting that done with in getting justice for those two kids. Yes, definitely. Uh, moving on, quarantine kitchen this week. I am going to talk about something that is probably controversial. I put it on Twitter earlier this week. I made a simple rack of baby back ribs. Now, a lot of people make ribs. There's a lot of different ways to make ribs. Uh, this time, I used a pellet smoker like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Don't wrap my ribs. I don't I, either. Wrapping ribs, I get that the competition people do it. I understand that, you know, if you're going to watch the Food Network and you see a cooking show, a barbecue show, barbecue pitmasters, whatever, they're going to wrap ribs. But if you're just making ribs in your backyard at home, there is no reason to wrap those ribs. Save yourself the tinfoil and the headache of wrapping them and putting butter in and all that stuff. It's all a scam. Just leave them on the grill pull them off at 195. It's not going to dry out. You're going to get a way better bark. It's better. Everything about it is better. Yes. I slowly, so the big thing when people go into starting to talk about ribs, everyone talks about, oh, Johnny Trigg. You know, you've seen him on TV, Johnny Trigg. He makes the best ribs. He does the three, two, one ribs. If you cook your ribs for six hours, they will be mushy and nasty. And it's like eating pork flavored oatmeal. And it's not good, and they're way overdone. So I don't know, like, if he's cooking them at, like, is he cooking them at 175 for, like, six hours? Because right. I don't know how – I've never seen anyone who actually follows 321 to the, the way it says and actually does it. So the first time I did it, I tried that, and I was like, these are overdone. They're not good. So then I tried, okay, well, I'm going to try to knock it down and do, like, two, one and a half one. And then that was pretty good. But then the whole thing is like, oh, well, you got to, you know, flip it over. And like you said, you get the tinfoil out, put the butter in, or do parquet, not butter, because the butter will burn. And then with some honey and sauce, whatever. And then it ends up sitting in there. And so you're kind of just steaming them. But it's not like it's too runny. What you put in is too runny anyway. So it's not actually like, you know, sticking or making a bark, like you said. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. So I stopped wrapping and I still do what everything he says he puts in with like the butter and some sauce and some of your rub. And then, but then I just base that like every five minutes, like the last half hour, an hour to like beef up the bark. Cause I like them sticky. 
and don't sauce them afterwards. And so, but I'm 100% with you. Do not wrap your ribs. Yeah, there's there's no reason to wrap your ribs. I mean, think about Texas barbecue. Think of, I don't know, like a famous Texas barbecue restaurant, Salt Lick in Austin, right? They serve hundreds of racks of ribs every single day. I promise you, they're not out there wrapping each of those individually in tinfoil. It's not how yes. it works. Now, in defense of the three, two, one method, I will say that if I'm cooking spare ribs, it's a lot closer to three, two, one. If you're going to go and you're going to do the wrap thing, when I, when I cook a big wrap of not St. Louis cut spare ribs and full spare ribs, it's close to probably six hours. Probably not quite. I'm with you. It's not quite six hours, but it's close. Uh, but if you're cooking a rack of baby back ribs, like most people do when they're, when they're talking about smoking ribs, uh, no, it's not even close. Five hours. Don't wrap it. Pull it off right at 195. Let it rest for a while and you're going to enjoy it. I like to mop a little bit. Of, some people use apple juice. I just use a little bit of sauce in the first few hours of the cook and that allows it to stay a little bit more moist. And then the last three, two and a half, three hours, I don't touch it. I just leave it, leave it out there on the grill. Never flip it. Just leave it out there, bone side down. Best ribs you'll ever have, I promise. Amen. Um, this week, uh, let me see. Let me hop back in and uh, look at what we made. Oh, so we do have our announcement before I get into this. We do have our first sponsor of the show. So I mentioned last week that my wife and I will use Plan to Eat um, to manage our menu, and it's awesome because you can save menus to just drag and drop whole week. So you just, you know. If you're on a website, you can click a button and it will grab the recipe from you so you can skip all the blog, save it, and then you just plan your menu. It generates your shopping list. If you use Instacart or anything like that, it'll automatically add your shopping list to it. So you can hit like four buttons in your entire week and all your grocery shopping is done. It's awesome. So anyway, we're going to put the link in the description um, that we they are our first sponsor that we have for the show. So if you want to sign up, you get a 30-day trial. And you don't have to put your credit card in. It'll just stop after 30 days if you decide not to keep going. Um, but give it, go ahead. And when you sign up, then you'll be able to see all the recipes that I, um, that we have saved and I'll tag the quarantine kitchen ones. Um, so, but we, last week, there's one recipe that we've made a bunch and we really like, and that is um, this, it's a one pot, they call it one pot creamy Cajun chicken pasta. So I know it's a mouthful, but it's awesome because you only, it really, you just cook everything in the pan and just in the, in the big old pan. And so there's only one dish to clean and it's just a pasta with a Cajun seasoning um, that you throw together. And then with chicken and onion, I actually did half chicken and half uh, andouille sausage because sausage makes everything better. Um, so just, you know, chicken pasta, the seasoning, onion, some fire roasted tomatoes, uh, chicken broth, and then some people use heavy cream. We only had cream cheese and that's the, our version of recipe that we have actually calls for cream cheese. So then once it's done cooking, you just put in some cream cheese and pull it off and it's done. It's really good and really easy. And it's been a staple. I think we've made it four or five times during even just since quarantine started. So we'll put, I'll put that in there and it's good. Um, the, we had a couple friends who were rolling through town last weekend, stopped by, they had some, so it's been approved by multiple people, not just, you know, not just us. Um, but so that's our quarantine kitchen and thank you to plan to eat for being our first official sponsor of the show. And now Jeff, we had some football news this week. We got some guys coming in guys coming out. So the first one we talked about a lot last week, uh, the Weston Jones commit. So what is, what more do you have to add to that conversation than what we already talked about last week? Yeah, not a ton. I mean, we, we talked about Weston Jones, the type of player that he is, what he brings to the table a lot on last week's episode of the podcast. So if you, if you didn't catch that and you're wondering who the heck Weston Jones is, go check out the last episode. Uh, offensive lineman out of Romeo, Michigan. Uh, we talked about how he probably would be committing soon. I didn't expect him to commit this soon, uh, but he did. He pulled the trigger. Oh, let's see. I think it was Thursday or Friday of last week. So it's been just under a week now. Uh, first offensive lineman in the class. Uh, we've talked about the size of this class for you know, several weeks now. Uh, it's going to be a small class. If it got higher than 15 kids in the class of 2021, I would be floored. I, I, I just don't see it. Uh, you know, I could see it being as small as 11 or 12. I mean, it's going to be a very small recruiting class this year. Weston Jones is part of that now. 
Uh, now, even with the small numbers, and maybe this is the most important thing to talk about uh, with Weston Jones, in addition to everything we talked about last week, this will not impact the way that BYU pursues uh, Kingsley Suamatea or Kimo Makaniole. Those are two additional offensive linemen that are, are really, really good. They would both be tackle prospects. They would both compete for playing time right away. Uh, I mean, it's a long shot that BYU gets a guy like Kingsley, but they're trying. They're going to give it their best shot. They're going to try to bring him in for an official. If Kingsley wants into the program, you find, you find a, way a way to get a five-star tackle. Yeah, he's a stud. And, and Kimo, he's uh, currently only a three-star, and it's a you know middle-of-the-road three-star, ranked in 84 on our 24-7 sports rating system. Uh, I think he's going to push four-star. I think that he'll end up as an 88 or an 89 once the season gets underway and there's a little bit more film on him. He's very, very good as well. Both of those two are take no matter what offensive linemen. Weston Jones is more of an I think he's a center, uh, really, really good player. Uh, if BYU does not get Kimo or Kingsley, they'll roll with just Weston Jones and feel great about their offensive line class given the numbers, but they're going to recruit those other two no matter what. And if they were to want in, awesome. That's a find a way to make them fit into the program. Yeah, and agree. And it's like you said, there's those two are the two big names, and obviously they're going to stop pretty much talking to most of the other offensive linemen in the class because you know they are just not at that level where you would shuffle things around or risk you know cutting other positions um, because a guy like Kingsley, especially, that's a you know that's a generational. Well, I think Kingsley, he would be the highest rated offensive lineman that BYU has ever signed if yeah. he committed. And so it's, if, you know, you get a once, you know, for a program like BYU, if you can get a once in a lifetime guy who I know the big comparison is with him is to Penny Sewell, but they are very, very similar build. And if you watch their film, like he is freakishly quick with his size and only being, you know, 16 and a half, 17 years old. Um, yeah, he's insane. And he's the kind of guy, if BYU were to land Kingsley Suamatea, uh, nobody cares at all about Andrew Gentry last year. I mean, Kingsley's no. that good of a recruit that he transcends even how good Andrew Gentry was. Kingsley is pick any school in the country good. I mean, he's, he's right. so, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's the big news on the football front in terms of uh, people coming into the program. Brief news, uh, Ethan Atagi is transferring out of the program. He's been a walk-on at BYU, so it doesn't do anything for the scholarship crunch. Uh, he's already announced that he's going to transfer to Weber. His brother is currently at Weber as well. I think he's going to start when he gets to Weber, and that's a good program, man. Weber State, really is. they're up here by me in, in northern Utah. I see a lot of Weber games. Jay Hill, he's a special coach up there, man, and Ogden loves him. He loves Ogden. He has turned Weber State into a little bit of a football school, which is incredible. If you, know, if you don't know anything about Weber State, it's, it's a commuter school for the most part. I mean, the only people who really live on campus at Weber State are athletes that came from out of state. Everybody else lives at home and they drive to Weber State. And there's, you know, there's bumper stickers right now at Weber that is just, just Weber, because that's what everybody says. If, where are you going to school? Oh, just Weber. It's everybody's, you know, backup, backup, backup option here in Northern Utah. Right. Uh, and he's got some excitement. Jay Hill has made a, a school like that excited about football. I think Atagi's going to play a big role for them uh, on the roster this year. He's a really smart dude. He, he, he didn't have the physical traits to, to crack the, the rotation on the offensive line at BYU. But that dude was smart. He could break down film. He was – uh, Coach Mateos tweeted it, and it wasn't just, you know, blowing smoke up anybody. I mean, it was real sincere. He is like a second coach on the sidelines. I think after Weber, that's what his, you know, his future is, is, uh, is coaching. And, and that's great, especially since his brother is there. And I think, did his, his dad also played at Weber? Correct. As well. And so it's, I mean, he's a legacy going up there. And like you said, it's, if he's not going to crack the two deep, I mean, you only have so many years. It's, this isn't like, you know, oh, you committed. Well, one, even he's a walk-on. He's paying his own way to play. So if he can go get paid to go play at Weber, then awesome, great for him. But even then, it's like even guys who are on scholarship, if you only have four years to play college football, 
So it's not like you can, you know, have a career where you're 35 and decide to change and go into another profession and just get a do-over. Like that doesn't exist. So if you can find a place where you can play and get on the field, then go do it because, you know, that's your window is very limited. And it's even more awesome if you can go where your dad played and get to go play next to your brother. And, you know, like you said, Jay Hill's running a great program up there. They are consistently the last few years, they're in the top, you know, like five to seven FCS programs right now. And the, they have really raised overall the big sky conference to be, um, you know, it's really behind the Missouri Valley football conference. The big sky is probably the close number two for in terms of quality of FCS leagues. And so he's going to get to play still at a very high level um, relatively to the overall number of teams in the sport. And, you know, I'm, you know, it's, I'm happy for him that he can find a place that is good for him close to home to get on the field and continue his career. And hopefully he comes back as a graduate assistant and, you know, does get into coaching because we always need more, more BYU ties in the coaching world. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, now let's get on to the news that everybody wants to talk about this week. Everybody has been talking about it this week. Uh, that's basketball news. That's Caleb Lohner. And I mean, I guess we could be more specific. That's former Ute signee, KB, Caleb Lohner. Uh, the one and only. Earlier this week that Caleb has asked or will be asking uh, a release from his national letter of intent from Utah. He signed with Utah. Uh, he signed during the early signing period in basketball, which I believe is in November. Uh, so right. last November. Um, and now before school enrolls, I think the academic year starts like June 18th at the university of Utah. So a week before he's supposed to officially start school, he asks to be released from the program with the intent of signing with BYU. Now, before we get into the coverage and talk a little bit more about some of the rumors and things like that, let's talk just about Caleb, the basketball player and what this means for BYU. Garrett, how big of a deal is this? I mean, I think it is, it's a huge deal. I mean, he was obviously highly recruited. He was, could have gone to basically had his pick of any big 12 program because he was originally from uh, the suburbs of Dallas and, you know, came, moved up his family. Well, his dad is a, he is a legacy recruit. His dad played basketball at BYU and is from Provo and his family moved back to Utah and he started and went to Wasatch Academy um, with what they have going down there. And so he played at a very high level in high school as well, but he is long and athletic and he, that's exactly what BYU needs. And exactly, you know, he's the, the exactly the three or maybe a stretch four that fits into Mark Pope's system of, you know, moving the ball around and getting up and down. And he, um, he can shoot the three. Well, he has, you know, reportedly has like a 40 inch vertical and that's kind of similar to, you know, every, wide receiver in high school coming out of high school says they run a four, four, every basketball player says they have a 40 inch vertical, but he can jump. You can go look on, if you go look on YouTube there, he has, there's videos of him on a bunch of different channels and highlight channels with like hundreds of thousands of views. So people in who follow basketball closely know Caleb, who Caleb Lohner is before he's even stepped foot on the court. And I think he got caught in a situation where maybe he didn't want to go to BYU um, just for, I just wanted something different. It was maybe looking at other schools, but still wanted to kind of stay close to home. And so he, you know, decided to go to Utah, but he, he committed in August of last year. So nobody had any idea in August. And I mean, if you would ask me last August, what the basketball team was going to look like this year, I would have said, oh man, we're going to be lucky to make it to the NIT because mm-hmm. Yoli's going to miss half the season. So we're not going to get any marquee wins there. And TJ Haas just got like, he broke his foot or whatever he got hurt in summer when they were going to Italy and you know Gavin Baxter was also hurt and so just things were not looking good and then when you saw what Mark Pope put together and how he got that team together and you know when they took down Gonzaga and what that entire game was like it was very um, you know it was very much a I think it made him kind of start to reconsider things and think of where he wants to play and what kind of program he wants to be in. And even since he's, so since he committed in August, you've seen Mark Pope come out of nowhere and finish with a top 20 team. And you've seen a bunch of more guys transfer away from Utah. And that's been a plague. I think I saw someone go through and do the math. And I think since Larry Kraskoviak has been 
at Utah, they're averaging like four and a half or somewhere between four and five transfers a year out of that program. So it's not, things are not good up there and they're kind of locked in with his contract and a buyout and it's not a pretty situation. So I think it's, I'm not surprised that Caleb wants to step away from that. I think the bigger surprise is that he wants to step away from that and go to BYU. And that's what's causing the big story. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I agree with you, man. As far as Caleb, the basketball player, he's not, I got to be careful when I throw out this comparison. I mean, he's not Yoli Childs, but he's a little bit like Yoli Childs in the sense that he's going to be a bigger guy who can stretch the floor. He can play big if he needs to. He's got some bounce to him. Uh, He's going to have a Yoli Childs-like impact on the BYU basketball program. Maybe not as a freshman, but if you look at Yoli Childs' uh, stats as a freshman, I think that's very fair uh, for an expectation uh, for Caleb Lohner. He's a a really talented player, Um, and it's a big deal. Big deal for BYU to, to add a player like him. Obviously, it's not official but everything that we've heard, everything that's been reported publicly so far says that that will be coming soon. Uh, the most, you know, I'm expecting an announcement this week. BYU likes to make their announcements like this on Fridays typically. So that's kind of the day I have circled. That's not set in stone. That's not based off of any information. That's just historically BYU makes announcements like this on a Friday. So I'm kind of expecting that. Uh, so big deal for BYU. Now let's get into it. You alluded to it already but some of the coverage and maybe some of the reasons behind this transfer, there's a lot of different stories that are out there. Now I agree with you, Garrett. Uh, I, I don't know what I, when I, when I won't we'll dig into these stories, but anytime I hear a story, especially about a rival, that doesn't matter if it's a Utah outlet talking about something with BYU, or if that's an Ohio state outlet talking about something with Michigan. Anytime I hear a rival talk about their rival, You've got to run that through the smell test because there's going to be bias. There's going to be uh, a lot of different factors that go into that reporting. And especially if sources are connected to rival school A, rival school A doesn't want to admit that they got beat or lost in any way to rival school B. So those sources that are connected to that school are going to give a narrative that protects rival school A and paints rival school B in a bad light. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Uh, Garrett, do you want to give us a rundown of kind of what what the narratives are that are out there? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things coming out about this. And I think, you know, as we've had conversations away, um, you know, away from the show, we've kind of tried to nail down where this is coming from. And I think we've kind of mostly figured it out that the source of a lot of this information is coming from someone who's formerly associated uh, with the BYU basketball program and who may not have the best feelings or is just operating on kind of on bad info of what they feel like confident based on how, where things were at with Caleb's recruitment when they did have, were there. And then um, coming back to, uh, you know, coming back to where they're at now, but you know, some things said that, you know, BYU offered his dad a job and his dad has recently taken a job in within the BYU athletic department, which his dad is not in the employee directory and looking at his dad's credentials and what he has done in his career. You know, he's been an executive at other companies before he has an MBA from the university of Texas. He would, uh, he would put, he would have a drastic, drastic pay cut to go work for BYU. And I don't think that's just... I wish BYU would hire him. Right, yes. If actually, I mean, the Cougar Club, I believe the Cougar Club director position that Mike Middleton left when he went to the law school is still open. And Matt Lohner would be a great hire for that position. So if we could come up with the money to hire him there, then please, like, let's make that happen. I would love it. There's also some concern about that Qualtrics, um, you know, the owner of Qualtrics is a big BYU fan or this founder is a big BYU fan. He is now a billionaire because they were acquired by SAP. He and a is big in, Mark Pope fan. Yes, he is. A, he is in, yes. He and Mark Pope are in the same ward even. And so, you know, they go to church together every week. They're very good friends. And so, you know, they're saying, Oh, well, his dad may have hired Qualtrics or Qualtrics may have hired Matt Harms, the Purdue transfers girlfriend to get her to come out um, as well. And it's, I mean, Texas Tech, they have enough boosters. They would have found a job for his girlfriend too. And it's not 
a crime and not against the rules to hire someone who's qualified. Like any company in Utah, if you can get somebody with executive experience and a good track record with an MBA from UT, you're going to take it if they fit in your budget because he's qualified. And if, you know, they want to give an entry level position to someone who graduated from Purdue and it's not, Purdue's not a bad school. It's not like they went to ITT tech and it's like, you know, they studied drywalling at ITT tech and now she's going to be some executive running the show. It's, you know, it's totally valid to hire a new college graduate. And really, honestly, you're going to have a hard time. If you're getting a job in Utah County, at any company, you're going to have a hard time not blurring the lines between BYU fan and employee being hired. Oh, yeah. It's just not possible because almost all of the money in Utah County, especially and in Silicon Slopes and the tech space, it's all, they're all BYU guys, most of them. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, Matt Harm's girlfriend, that was another one that, that's been brought up recently that, uh, you know, shady recruiting, Bush League recruiting by BYU to, to potentially do that, to hire Matt Harms' girlfriend. Uh, she's graduated. Well, okay, first off, we don't know if that's true. I have no idea if she's working at Qualtrics. I'm not saying that it's not. It might be. I have no clue. Here's what I do know. Uh, she still lives in Indiana today, and she's not moving out to Provo until August. She will graduate from Purdue with a degree in hospitality and tourism management, which is essentially party planning. Qualtrics is known for their massive conferences. It's not crazy unheard of for a company like Qualtrics to hire somebody with the credentials that Matt, Har Matt Harms's girlfriend is going to have to land these huge events that they're known for. Like that's not going to be something that's crazy unheard of. And I don't think it's going to set off any red flags or anything like that. We're, we're talking about a girlfriend. We're not talking about his dad. We're not talking about his mom. Uh, if that turns out to be true, I, I'm with you. It's going to be really hard to find any of jobs at these bigger companies, you know, in Lehigh, especially uh, it's going to be really tough to, to, find somebody who's not a BYU graduate, right? I mean, there's a lot of them down there. That's just kind of the nature of what BYU is and the caliber of students that graduate from BYU. And that's what a lot of people do is they start these tech companies in Silicon Slopes and they are run by BYU grads. Like it's not, it's just not that crazy to me. So when we run nothing wrong, if someone is qualified, if they fit the bill, correct. then, and you have to say, Hey, I know this dude because he played at BYU and his kid, you know, plays basketball too. I like him, whatever. That's totally fine if they have the credentials. Like you can't, you know, say, oh, you know, this person's dad's like hasn't yeah. had a job for 15 years or whatever, but we're going to make up a vice president of this position to give him totally a quarter fair. million dollars a year, but he doesn't have to show up anymore. That's where it becomes a problem. You know, if yep. someone has no. the credentials, they have the credentials and it doesn't matter where they're from or what they are. You can hire them and that's not – an issue yeah no um, you're absolutely right glad you and, and i absolutely right and i did just reach out to a source who you know i have a, a lot of friends actually because i want to be BYU. i have lots of friends who works for who work for qualtrics and matt loner caleb's dad is not in the qualtrics employee directory so for the last year he may have been you know brought on as a consultant because he did work for a consulting firm previously and you know so even in that capacity as an executive Yes. I think he was an executive at the consulting firm, right? Right. So, so he some may some have low-level entry consultant getting his career started, like right. And so they may have used him in a consultancy role um, over the last year since, because they moved back to Provo when Caleb started attending Wasatch Academy. So the, he may have been working there, but he is not. He is not in the employee directory at Qualtrics, and so let's just we can put that one to bed, and I will call it Bush League reporting. <laughs> Uh, that's not the only basketball news to talk about today. Uh, Utah Valley transfer Brandon Averett. Um, it, he announced that he was going to transfer from UVU a couple of weeks ago as a graduate transfer, so he would be immediately eligible. Uh, he committed to UVU a couple of years ago as a transfer from Oklahoma State. Had to sit out two years ago. Played last year, scored 13 points a game, added on, I think, three assists and two rebounds a game. Uh, when he announced that he was going to transfer as a graduate transfer, immediately people started looking at BYU and Mark Pope. He's already committed to Mark Pope once as a transfer. Uh, so, you know, why not do it again? Um, what we're hearing is that Brandon Averett, it would be 
it would be really surprising. I'm going to call it, I'm going to say it would be shocking. It would be downright shocking if he went anywhere but BYU based on information that we've been told. I, I've heard that he had to finish up his degree and get everything officially wrapped up in terms of graduation and all of that stuff before he could officially make that transfer known. Uh, I'm told that that was wrapped up last week, early this week sometime. So uh, again, kind of like Caleb Lohner, I'm expecting an announcement sometime in the next couple of days. If it extends into next week, maybe that's not completely surprising, but I would be a little bit surprised if it goes past, you know, Friday, Saturday. I I think it's going to happen pretty quickly that Brandon Averett would be added to uh, to BYU's basketball team for next year, and he would be eligible. Uh, it will be interesting, assuming this all comes to pass, it will be interesting to see how he fits alongside Alex Barcelo. In my mind, both of them are fairly similar in the sense that they're smaller guards um, in the backcourt. I think they could be electric on the offensive end of the court. I, I worry a little bit about their length on defense. I think both of them are great defenders. They They have the ability to defend but I wonder if their size gets in the way a little bit and, and it makes it a little bit difficult to play them in tandem. Uh, but that's kind of the big news uh, that hasn't happened yet. But what we're expecting to happen is Brandon Averett making it official that he will be transferring from Utah Valley to BYU. And I really like his game and I'm excited about this. I don't think he's not, you know, last year we got a starting guard with Jake Toulson coming from UVU. And he is not Jake Toulson. He plays a different game. I would say in more, he, he doesn't shoot as much and he's more, he plays more of a quicker game and is better on the ball um, defending. So I would kind of say that his game is almost like more similar to an Anson Winder type player. Um, but he, he can get up and he has some highlights because he started his career originally at, when he was at Oklahoma State. And he's got some highlights of getting up and down and he can put on a show. Um, and so I think, it's a great pickup. I've, you know, we've heard even as well that the staff is trying to get creative and there are potential even trying to get in one more. Um, the, uh, you know, trying to even get in one more uh, transfer coming into the portal or coming out of the portal. Um, and that would require some shuffling and maybe asking someone to pay their own way um, to free up another scholarship because Averett would take up the last one on that is currently available as by our count with Loner and Averett coming in, that would cap it out. Um, so what do you think of about that in terms of what could happen there with that space? Yeah. You know, they, they can get creative with some of these scholarships. Um, they, they could ask somebody to walk on who's currently on scholarship. That's, that's a potential. Uh, Jesse Wade is the, the name that everybody's going to look at right off the bat. Um, another one would be Gavin Baxter. I, I think both of his parents are BYU employees, so tuition would potentially be, you know, minimal, at, you know, at most, right? It's tuition at BYU is already fairly minimal. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's some wiggle room there. And then I, I've said it for a few weeks now, but there's still the, the potential to ask Hunter Erickson coming off of his mission to Gracier and, and join the program next year, not this season. And that would free up, you know, an additional scholarship. So each of those moves obviously come with some risk. Um, players might not say yes. You know, Hunter Erickson could say yes and then go sign to somebody else. I mean, so there's some risk involved with each of those moves. But I think what Mark Pope has proven is that he is willing to take risks in order to make his team better. And if he could find somebody in the transfer portal, we know about his affinity for the transfer portal. If he can find somebody in the transfer portal who he thinks is going to make next year's team better, he'll do it and he'll take that risk. And even if that means losing a guy like Hunter Erickson, they know, I I think Mark Pope is confident enough that he could replace a Hunter Erickson with somebody equal to or better than Hunter Erickson out of the transfer portal the next year. That's not to say that Hunter Erickson isn't going to be good. I'm a huge fan of Erickson. I think he's a great, great player. Uh, but I think Mark Pope is confident that he can get great, great players at any given time. And he's proven right. that so far, bringing in Jake Toulson, convincing Yoli to come back, Matt Harms, if he can get Caleb Lohner, right? I mean, he's proven. Alex Barcelo, another guy like Harms that had zero tie to the program. Yeah, 
and he he snagged him over Kentucky and Texas Tech, right? Texas Tech was in the national championship a couple of years ago, and Kentucky is Kentucky. So it's a, it's a big deal that Mark Pope has that level of competence that he can recruit with anybody, and he is not afraid to take a risky move in order to make his team better this year. What am I trying to say? He's, he's not afraid to jeopardize two years, three years down the road in order to make this year better because he's confident that if, if he has two or three years, he'll be just fine. We saw that again with like Gavin Baxter. Uh, a lot of people were really upset when Baxter uh, burned a red shirt to come back and play this year. A lot of people said, hey, that's a, that's a waste of a year. He's going to, you know, we're going to miss that year when he's a senior. We're going to wish that we had one more year of Gavin Baxter. Maybe that's true. Maybe Gavin Baxter's great. We wish that he was coming back for, for that senior year. But the confidence that Mark Pope has is that, nope, Gavin Baxter was going to help this team this year, and I can replace Gavin Baxter. Find the next Gavin Baxter. Yeah, for sure. And even nobody would if the tournament had not gotten canceled and BYU was the media darling to make a Cinderella run. And if that one would have happened, Gavin Baxter would have been a huge part of that. And nobody would think twice about like, we'd all be grateful that he was there. Yeah, absolutely. You are absolutely correct. But I like you said, touching on it, I love the confidence and getting guys out of the portal and that can come in and make an impact in basketball is way, way easier than in football because you know one guy it's not in football you have 22 positions you know that you have to fill on the field and there's a lot more going on where basketball one guy can take over a game so you can get one good player and he can be 40 percent of your production and totally take over your team and transform your entire program and what you can do that year and so it's a lot easier to live in the portal and I think Pope understands that and that's why he's going after people and saying hey like you know, come to Provo, this is where you want to be. And this is why, and it's, I, it really, it's, I mean, we can get into this next week talking about kind of more of what happened with Yoli and how he recruited Yoli back and what the extent of that was to get him back and how they want him over. But it's, I'm very, very happy in the basketball program is in good hands right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you couldn't be. Uh, Mark Pope is a confident guy um, and, and he's going to do, great things while he's at BYU. I just love it. I mean, uh, to me, the way that he deals with the transfer portal, it's almost like it's BYU's flavor of, of one and duds. Like BYU's not going to get the McDonald's All-Americans that are going to go to the NBA after their freshman year. That's just not going to happen. But if you can get these high-level transfers for one year, it's kind of like a one and done, kind of the same uh, the, the same type uh, of, uh, I don't know, same type of roster management strategy that a school like Kentucky has, right? That uh, you got to retool that roster every year. And it's kind of like BYU is taking that approach, just doing it with guys out of the transfer portal, not high school guys. So it's interesting. It's fun. And it makes BYU a fun team to cover. It's been a few years since we've been able to say that. It really is. And I mean, I remember when the last time we really were excited was when, uh, you know, Nick Emery was back from his mission and he had his good freshman year, and then T.J. Haas was back, and was like, oh, man, we're going to have the LP3 finally all together. This is so great. And then it just completely fell apart, and anything related to threes, be it the LP3 or the Iggy's three for football, just things and players committing in groups of three, just please stay away from BYU sports, or like we don't we don't need that. It's not it's a curse. I think the Iggy's curse is real. The LP three curse is real, but it seems like we're turning the corner, at least on the basketball side. Yep. It seems like it. And I'm with you. Let's stay away from curses. We already have the curse of Max Hall. We don't need any more curses at this point. Uh, Garrett, it's been a good show, man. It has, um, you know, we, we talked about a lot, um, you know, with uh, football, basketball, we kind of got everything covered. We got some off the field drama even to, spice things up a little bit this week, but it, it was a good show. Um, good show. Good time. Looking what forward are your parting to thoughts for us? Man, uh, just get excited for, for football season. Uh, I just got my copy of Lindy's preseason magazine yesterday. I got Street and Smith's preseason college football magazine today. Uh, so those are the big three up until Phil Steele. 
I don't know what's going on with Brother Steele. He's a little bit slow this year. Uh, his magazine's not going to be available for like another month. Uh, so those are the big, I guess, the big four preseason college football magazines. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Garrett, uh, but one I'm, I'm really excited for, Pro Football Focus is doing a full-fledged college football preview. Uh, I don't know if it's a magazine. I don't know if it's just digital content, but a full uh, college football preview based on everything. I love Pro Football Focus. The way yeah, I'm. I didn't see that they were doing that, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that it will be. It will. I'm a Phil Steele guy, but normally that's the magazine I get. But Pro Football Focus will be the best one because they. I mean, every they have. I don't know people is they have four or five people watch every single play of every single FBS game and grade every single player and what they did on that play. So they have a massive, massive, massive army of people pumping things out and they will have very, very good coverage. And I didn't know that's happening. Do you know when that's supposed to come out? It's, uh, they just said coming soon. I would imagine in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the one thing I like about pro football focus more than, more than some of these other guys, uh, most people don't pick up every magazine like I do, but I'm weird. Uh, you know, Lindy's Athlon, Street and Smith, they all kind of essentially say the same thing. You're not going to learn a whole lot about BYU because you're listening to this podcast. You already know everything they're going to tell you. You'll learn a lot about other schools, BYU opponents, and it's great. They're great. They're, uh, you know, great pieces of material, but it's pretty surface level stuff about every team in the country. Pro Football Focus, they announced, uh, you know, they announced their magazine. One thing that they do better than anybody in the industry is scheme analysis. And that's going to be a big part of their season preview magazine is getting into the schemes. I don't know how it's going to look, right? I don't know if they're going to do schemes of every team at every level or if they're going to just do the P5 or maybe they're just going to focus on you know, college football cont- playoff contenders. I don't know. Uh, but the way that they dig into scheme is fascinating. These are football guys with football minds. These are not journalists per se. Uh, so if you're only going to pick up one, even totally blind and, and without having seen even what the content is, Pro Football Focus is the magazine to get. You'll learn the most about, about BYU and about every other team uh, with, with what they do. And they, you know, going back to like what you said about BYU, it's, you know, they are totally agnostic in terms of like they don't put more attention to P5 versus G5. They watch everything because, you know, they are a scouting service and they are contracted with every single NFL team. Um, did you actually know that Chris Collinsworth is the majority owner of Pro Football Focus? Um, so it's you know he, they're very tied into the NFL and all. I mean you've seen it. And so they are their primary thing is a scouting service to the teams, and so they're digging under rocks for everything. They're not just trying to get clicks to give coverage about you know the ACC or the SEC, whatever. You know they are trying to find players and grade them, and so they watch every P5 and G5 game start to finish multiple times looking at every single player on every single play. And it's a lot of time, but like you said, they get, they're very good at what they do and get honed in on, you know, their grading system and what they consider in their criteria. And, you know, they will give love. And that's why you see, you know, Brady Christensen becoming a draft prospect to where maybe people are even talking about him leaving early because pro football focus has pointed out like, Oh, he was the most consistent freshman tackle in the country. Oh, he was in the top five again for tackles and, you know, in his overall grade performance and you know for the 2019 season and so now going into his junior year you know they're saying oh he's one of the top five tackles in the country keep an eye on him everyone's going to be watching because pro football focus carries clout yep for sure so that parting shot uh, that lasted like 10 minutes so apologies to everybody that's kind of i feel like that's our mo we got to cut it off jeff and i could talk all night uh, and we could get going about anything else i mean that was our parting shot took 10 minutes talking about ribs took 10 minutes so there might be a few spots to skip i could talk about anything else this week i got a pressure washer i could i love my uh, pressure washer oh man i I, i've had a pressure washer growing up i haven't had one since i've been you know a grown man Uh, i could talk about this pressure washer and the work that it did on my siding uh for a while so yeah we better cut this off before I get on some other tangent, we find ourselves deep, deep, deep in a pressure washer rabbit hole. Then we need to add a dad moment of the week segment 
to talk about this. We might have to do that next week. But yeah, thanks for again. Sure. Thanks again for hopping on. And if you listen to this far, you know, please uh, share it with your friends. Send us an, any nominations you have for for hell you know the week, um, or if there's any recipes you want us to try out for quarantine kitchen, um, then hopefully we get to migrate that to cougars in the kitchen instead and we're not quarantined anymore here soon but any if you can get that you know reach out to us um give us a follow at give them hell pod on twitter or rakudu 10 jeff or my handle is gj mcclintock um so reach out to us talk to us let us know your thoughts and we're gonna try to get the mailbag going again next week um jeff do you have anything else to add well, I was just thinking about this, and I do, real quick. We said we'd do this, and we haven't done it yet. Uh, Five-star reviews. Uh, please leave us a review. We will read your review. We're going to do it. We're going to read just a few of them right now. Um, so that, let's go through just a couple. We'll go super fast. Uh, we, we've had uh, a few different ratings. I think we have 13 ratings and a few different reviews over the last few weeks. So just catching up on a few of these. Uh, we'll, I'll read just a couple of my favorite ones. Uh, one of them after Mac McClung went to Texas Tech and we complained about Lubbock. The title is Freaking Lubbock, a tonic to tired ears during quarantine from Dan Kleb. Thank you. That is a five-star review if I have ever heard one. Um, another one here, I'm going to read it because it says my name and I enjoy talking about myself. From Jujuan DeBeat. Dat Beat 6. Uh, it's titled The Best. I'm a subscriber to 24-7 Sports where Jeff is the main guy. And as soon as I heard a podcast was being made, I was ecstatic. And so far, it definitely does not disappoint. If you are looking for the inside scoop, details that go way beyond the gridiron, and an incredible breakdown and analysis of all things BYU sports, then this is the podcast for you. Super excited to see how far Jeff and Garrett take this. There's a few more reviews out there. I think let's focus on those two today. We'll read more in the coming weeks. I'm excited to see how far we can take this too. Uh, your reviews and your ratings help us out a ton. So please leave a review. But as always, five stars only. Five stars only. Get that four star crap out of here. We don't want it. Amen. And let's, uh, you know, we'll try to read some more of the reviews. Um, get, I need to get better at checking those. Thank you again to everyone who has done it. And, uh, Another great show, Jeff. I think this is episode five down. We've been doing this for over a month. Uh, so let's keep giving them hell. Give them hell, Garrett.